Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Nothing But Sports with Kent Sterling for Friday, December 27th, 2019. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Call Dr. Mike O'Neill. Do it this afternoon. 317-849-2933. is the best dentist I've ever gone to. You will love him. It's pain-free and it's exceptional. All the things you want in a dental office right there in Fishers at Today's Dentistry. Again, 317-849-2933, the number. It's a Friday, so we welcome Harry to the show. Harry, I would assume you are at Wills Northwoods Inn, as you are so often at the corner of Nelson and Racine in the city of Chicago, about six blocks south of Wrigley Field. How are you doing? Couldn't be better, Gamilrev. An outstanding day. Oh, it was a little bit toasty warm yesterday. Not as warm today. Felt like going out into the beer garden. But that would cause a delay in the delivery of my beverages. So I stay as close to the bar as I possibly can. Right, Rico? <laughs> Rico's nodding up and down. I don't know what language he's fluent in, but when I order drinks, they come fast and they come delicious. So of course, I'm sitting here next to Dutchie. How are you, Dutchie? <laughs> a mouthful of gin. You know what, I'll tell you, bacteria doesn't stand a chance in that curvaceous mouth. <laughs> curvaceous, why? I don't know, but it is, and thank God for that. All right, let's get right to the questions. Number one, can the Pacers beat the Heat tonight? You know, the Heat, four and a half point favorites. Yeah, they've got a chance, but it's not a great one. You know, the Miami Heat are really good. Jimmy Butler's terrific. Gordon Dragic, terrific. Uh, they've got Duncan Robinson. How about that? The kid just stands outside and shoots threes. He's one of those guys, but he's scoring. There's balance scoring with the Heat. They get out and play some defense. Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the NBA. The people who thought that he was a creation of Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade listed not necessarily in the correct order. 
anybody who thought he was a creation, his coaching record was a creation of those three guys being on the team, they underestimated Spolstra. Spolstra is a really good coach. The Pacers, they've won seven games on the road this season out of 14. So they're 500 on the road. But listen to the teams that they've beaten at their place. Brooklyn, twice. Orlando, Memphis, OKC, the New York Knicks, and the Atlanta Hawks all once. The only team among those six with a winning record, the Brooklyn Nets, and they are two games over 500. So the Pacers, they haven't played real good basketball on the road. They've played some good teams. They've lost to the Bucks, lost to the 76ers, uh, lost to Houston as well. But then on the road, they've also lost to the Pistons twice, Charlotte and Cleveland. So on the road, they're kind of what you would expect. Here's what you need to do if you're the Indiana Pacers. You break even on the road and you win a bunch of games at home. If you do that, not only are you going to the playoffs, you're likely to be a, uh, a team in the top four of the Eastern Conference and a team with home court advantage at least during that first round of the playoffs. So that is what the, the Pacers are trying to get done. And so beating a team like Miami, while it would be nice at their place, you know what? It's not a likelihood. Uh, the Pacers, while we love watching them, and they are very, very generous with the basketball. They make a lot of passes. They score efficiently, and they play connected defense. We're going to watch tonight at 8 o'clock for Miami. We're going to listen to Chris and Quinn tell us about stuff as it happens during the game. But you know what? At the end, are we going to like the result? If you gamble, if you bet this game, four and a half points, I don't think that's a lot of points. Given the way the Miami Heat play at home, they're 13-1, and one on their home court, and the way the Pacers play on the road. I think that Miami minus four and a half, if I were an investor, I would look very kindly upon that number. Okay, number two, boy. But I don't blame you. You know, you gave your answer, and you backed it up with facts. I like it. Number two, will IU finish its non-conference period 12 and 1, and by non conference period, we account for the two conference games, the two Big Ten games that have been played, but we're still going to call it the non conference portion of the college basketball. Dutchie, stop rubbing my leg. Don't be a spectacle, can you? For one minute, I mean, my God, up here, it's, it's only about two in the afternoon. Please, cool your jets, as it were. Wait until the sun goes down. And then if you have to ravage me, have at it. <laughs> All right. At any rate, will IU finish its non-conference period 12 and 1? All right, here's the deal with Arkansas. And Arkansas is the team that they play on Sunday evening at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. They've played two true road games on this season. Both went to overtime. Arkansas beat Georgia Tech in one, lost to Western Kentucky in the other. This is a team, you talk about guys who are not very tall. This is really, really a small team. They are not big at all. They don't start anybody over 6'6". But what they do is they get out and they defend. This is an Eric Musselman coach team, so you know they play good defense. They limit opportunities from beyond the arc. Teams in college basketball hit about 21.7% of their three-pointers against Arkansas. 
I think that this is going to be a tough game for Indiana. You look at it on paper and you say, oh, Arkansas, they're tiny. You just post up Joey Brunk. Let's go. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, he's going to have a hell of a day. Arkansas, they don't play well on the road. There are all these chips in Indiana's favor. But the one that isn't is that they get good defense out of their guards. And they tend to pressure the basketball with their guards and make the opposing team a little bit uncomfortable. Indiana does not like discomfort with their guards offensively. Defensively, Arkansas, they're not great. They don't hit a lot of threes. They're not very good from inside the arc. Free throw shooting, they're all right. Mason Jones is a really good free throw shooter. He averages 19.6 points a game and hits over 90% from the foul line. But overall, this is a team with a lot of flaws. They just D up really, really hard. It's one of those weird games during the Christmas break where you got to go on the road. It's right after Christmas. There's a little bit of that holiday hangover that goes on on the road. I think Indiana is going to win, and they're going to finish the non-conference portion of the season, despite the fact that they played two Big Ten games within it. I think they'll get to 12-1, and but I think it's going to be a hell of a dogfight. Indiana hadn't put anybody away since that game against Florida State. And that game against Notre Dame could very easily have been a loss. Indiana gets out to a 17-point lead, loses the lead, and it takes Armand Franklin hitting a three-pointer to get the deal done, to seal the deal for the Hoosiers. This is a team that doesn't deal with riches well. When, When things are rolling for Indiana, they tend to take their foot off the gas, and they have got to get over that. Their guards have got to be more consistent on the defensive end of the court. I think Indiana is going to win, but I think it's going to be dramatic. All right, number three. Hey, another gin and tonic in a hawker short glass, if you please, Rico. All right, number three is Jacoby. Hey, is this question from last week? We ask this question a lot. Is Jacoby Brissett the long-term solution for the Colts at quarterback? I don't think so. (laughs) They're going to continue to evaluate Jacoby Brissett, and that evaluation is going to continue this Sunday against Jacksonville. Then they're going to have to figure out, because it's not enough, like any time you fire somebody, you better have an idea that you're going to be able to replace that person with an upgrade, right? If if you're in business and you're going to kick somebody to the curb, the person you've got coming in to replace that person, you've got to know is going to be better than the person you kicked to the curb. Now, Jacoby Brissett, not one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, somewhere around 20th. If you were going to rank the quarterbacks in the NFL, he would be right there at 20th. But you know what? That means that 12 teams in the NFL have quarterbacks that are ranked worse than Jacoby Brissett. You could be in a worse situation if you're the Colts. But I'll tell you this about why this situation isn't altogether so very good. Because the road is not clear. Like, if you have the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, right, if you just got a train wreck, at the, like the Miami Dolphins, they, they, they're nothing at quarterback. You know what I mean? They, they're going to get a quarterback in the upcoming draft. The Bengals, they're going to draft a quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft. We know that. The Colts, they've got a decision to make. It's not a clear-cut, like, 80-20 delineation between uh, what's out there and what you've got. And on the other hand, it's also not 80-20, yeah, I'm going to keep what I got because there aren't that many teams out there with better than what I got. It's not like that. It's about 50-50, 
whether you keep Jacoby Brissett, you get him injury-free, and then you roll into 2020 with a healthy, uh, healthy Brissett who's got weapons, right? A healthy T.Y., a healthy Eric Ebron, all of that stuff. And you make sure that he's surrounded by guys who can help him move the football. Then, if he's inaccurate, you kick him to the curb. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is a hell with it. We've seen him miss guys. He is not a terribly accurate deliverer of the football. He's also a guy who tends to throw it about 98 miles an hour, right? Guys 15 yards downfield, that's 45 feet to you and me. And boom, out it comes at about 95 MPH, and it about takes the receiver's hands off, and that's one of the reasons why you have so many drops. He does not throw a ball that's easy to catch. We know the quarterback position in Indianapolis. We watched Peyton Manning from 1998 through 2010 do what he did. We saw Andrew Luck do what he did. Jacoby Brissett is neither Peyton Manning nor Andrew Luck, but there aren't a lot of those guys out there, so you've got to figure it out, and I think it's a coin flip whether he's back or not. I know that's a boring answer, but I think it's a coin flip. They're going to have to decide what's out there, what they can go get, and whether they want to invest heavily in whoever that is, whether it's You know, you can go out and get Teddy Bridgewater. You could get Ryan Tannehill, who's had a hell of a year for the Tennessee Titans uh, after he came off the bench early this season and put Marcus Mariota's ass on that bench. There's some guys out there who might be an upgrade over Brissett. It's up to Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, the entire brain trust with the Colts to figure out what the correct path is forward. That's going to take a lot of their bandwidth during this, uh, during this offseason, which is going to commence in about, uh, let's say, 77 hours. Number four, would you sign, if you were an NFL GM, Godot would you sign, by the way, that Sterling backwards, for those of you listening to the first time, to the show for the first time, would you sign Antonio Brown if you were an NFL GM? Uh, No, under no circumstance would I sign Antonio Brown because, listen, you never invite crazy to the party. We've said this before. If you're having a party and you invite crazy guy to the party, it's going to be off the hook for about two hours. And then crazy guy is going to decide to be crazy guy and he's going to burn your damn house down. That's what happens with crazy guy. All right, you can sign Antonio Brown. And he could do some good things for you in the very short term, but eventually that is going to cause dissension, problems, a locker room that is completely dysfunctional. You do not invite crazy to the party. Now, I'll say this, though, that what you don't want is for Antonio Brown to sign someplace else because maybe Antonio Brown, in the hands of somebody else, can get some help and become a little more predictable in his uh, both his on-field and off-field behavior. If he does that, he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, and he is a difference maker. If you took like a completely sane Antonio Brown and you put him opposite T.Y. Hilton with the Indianapolis Colts, I'll tell you this, Jacoby Brissett would look a hell of a lot better at quarterback, wouldn't he? Yes, he would. But you sign him to the Colts, and all of a sudden that locker room gets wackadoodle, and you don't need a wackadoodle locker room. Sean Payton, he doesn't need wackadoodle either. Drew Brees doesn't need wackadoodle. The Patriots didn't need it. The Steelers didn't need it. The Raiders didn't need it. 
Nobody needs it. So you don't invest your resources in a guy who's going to be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, just like what the Cubs did with Addison Russell. All right, they brought him back last year. And what did that do? That siphoned bandwidth out of the hard drive of the Chicago Cubs front office and leadership as well as caused problems in that clubhouse. That's the way that worked. All right. And and for what? For a guy who's like a career 238 hitter and had one good season where he had 95 RBIs uh, in 2016. So you didn't want to kick him to the curb. You had him on a team-friendly deal. So you brought him in and you hoped. And that hope was not validated by Addison Russell on the baseball field. With Antonio Brown, now this is a little bit different. In baseball terms, Antonio Brown is a potential 320 hitter who can hit for power. He can run. He can catch. He can throw. He is a true five-tool guy. He is a great football player potentially, but between the ears, it's not so good. You don't invite crazy to the party. No, I would not sign him, but what I might do is try to roadblock somebody else from signing him. And finally, number five, as the ice continues to melt in my hawker shore glass as we uh, spend another Friday afternoon at Will's Northwoods Inn at the corner of Racine and Nelson Avenues, roughly, and you had it wrong, Ganilra. It's really about four and a half blocks to the south of the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. Number five, who is least likely to be back next season in Indianapolis or Indiana? Jacoby Brissett, Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator for the Colts, Archie Miller, the basketball coach at Indiana, or Laval Jordan, the basketball coach at Butler? Interesting question, because for different reasons, right? Like Laval Jordan, if he hadn't coming back to Butler, it's because he got a better job elsewhere. He's like Holtman. Holtman wanted to stay at Butler, but you can't turn down Ohio State. Something like that may happen for Laval Jordan this coming offseason. Even though he's paid righteously, there's no way that Butler can compete with the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Penn States, those teams with football programs that generate giant sacks of cash that can be invested in the basketball program. So for... You know, uh, how many in this decade you've lost Brad Stevens to the Boston Celtics, Chris Holtman to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And if Lavelle's Butler Bulldog team continues to play as it has and continues to be a top 15 team in the country, maybe somebody comes knocking on the door and makes a very, very generous offer to Lavelle Jordan. So let's put that in our back pocket as we discuss these. R.G. Miller is going nowhere. Indiana could absolutely crap the bed during the Big Ten season, but it would be unfair for whomever the new athletic director is going to be for Indiana to look at Archie Miller and decide to do something different. It would be completely unfair to Indiana basketball and to Archie Miller. You have got to let him get through. He's got to cycle through all those cream recruits, or you're not going to get a real look at what this is and what that program can become with Archie Miller as its steward. All right? So you've got to allow him to continue to recruit the state of Indiana, which he's doing at a really high level, getting the top two of the top three guys every year he's been here. 
That's what Archie's been able to do. And I think that's what he's going to be able to continue to do. He is great at building relationships with coaches and with players and their families. He's got a staff that can do the same. Tom Crean didn't. Tom Crean set fire to every relationship that he built in the Hoosier State, whether it was summer coaches, high school coaches, kids. The longer he was on a kid, the less likely he was to get that kid. Archie Miller, it's different with Archie Miller. He's going to continue doing the right thing in recruiting, and once the Crean guys are gone, then I think you're going to be able to evaluate what the culture is that Archie Miller is trying to build. Prior to that, He's going nowhere, and Indiana exactly right in retaining him through that period. Uh, Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator of the Colts, I think he should go. I'm tired of watching the Colts play uh, this this antiquated kind of bubble zone, this two deep, sometimes three deep, the, this variety of zone coverage uh, that they employ, and they don't really stop anybody. And, and Iberflus will tell you, you know what, a gain of four on first down, they're cool with. I don't like that. I like defenses that say, that say screw you, you are not going to gain yard one against us. We're going to kick you in the mouth and keep kicking you in the mouth. We are going to beat your ass. So get ready, because here comes your ass kicking. I like defensive coordinators like that. I don't like coordinators who are bend, don't break. I know Tony Dungy did that really, really well. And, and for the Colts, he was terrific. For the Bucks, he was terrific. He won a Super Bowl. God bless Tony Dungy. But that kind of defense does not work in the NFL today. And Matt Eberflus, as a guy who is more about teaching people the right way to play, which I think was important, as he took over for Ted Monachino as a defensive coordinator of the Colts. I think it's important, but it's also, I think, important that you move on to somebody who schematically is going to cause problems for offensive-minded coaches like Sean Payton. Clearly, that wasn't done at a high level in that Monday night football game against the Saints. So I think Eberflus should go. Whether he will go, I don't know. Because these guys, what they seem like to me, they seem like loyalists. They don't seem like pragmatists. Belichick, an extreme uh, level of pragmatism in the way he employs people. Extreme, right? Not necessarily loyal. Uh, Not a guy who's going to look the other way as some guy doesn't do his job. You're going to get cut. You're going to get fired. You don't do your job there. Here, I think they're a little bit more accommodating, and I think in some instances that works well, and I think like anything else, you know what? Pragmatism is great in moderation, and so is loyalty as an employer, great in moderation. But you cannot keep people when when their performance dictates that maybe somebody is out there who can do their job better. So I think that Iberflus is going to be gone, and I do think that Brissett's going to be back. One way or another, either as the starter, as the starter, as somebody else is the starter in waiting, or as a backup to a, a guy they bring in over the top of Brissett. This is going to be an offseason where Chris Ballard has to do some heavy lifting, and it's going to be interesting as hell. Thank you for joining me, Harry. Oh, you're welcome, Ganilrath. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. All right, back to Dutch. You know what? 
Do yourself a favor, Harry, and turn yourself into an amusement park. You're an e-ticket ride. Let Dutchie buy the e-ticket and ride you like she's never ridden you before. How about that? And remember, Monday morning, you know what? It'll still be 2019. And uh, so these, these midweek holidays drive me nuts. It feels like I've had like three weekends this week already. And next week, we got the same damn thing. But Breakfast with Kent, Monday morning, bright and early at 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, and then at 8.15 on Periscope Live, also available on my Twitter feed. And as always, if you get lonesome for me, get yourself a copy of Oops, The Art of Learning from Mistakes and Adventures. It's available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Goodreads.com, all over the place, Apple as well. You can get the, uh, the hardcover, you can get the ebook. you can get the audiobook. That's six hours and 40 minutes of me telling you stories that make me sound like a damn idiot and will uh, will entertain you if you enjoy hearing about other people kind of stepping in a big pile of dog crap through their life and what they learned from it. What I've learned is you don't step in dog crap. We'll talk to you Monday morning. Breakfast with Kent. Join me.